What's up everyone? Good morning and welcome to our Water's Edge online Sunday morning worship experience. Once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us today and joining in. For those of you that continue to share these messages, these digital worship experiences with your friends and family, your circle of influence, thank you so much for doing that. We have quite a few people tuning in from all over the place and we hope it's very, very helpful. Also, for those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your love and for your generosity and for your giving. It allows us to be the hands and feet of God to this city. It allows us to show love to our community, to help more people, love more people, serve more people, and feed more people. This past Thursday, we had another food pantry. It was an amazing success. We were able to help so many people out from our city because of you and your love and your generosity. Also, something else that we want you to know that if you're a local listener and you're ready to come back and join us live and in person, that we have two live and in-person services that are back open with full experiences at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. Cafe is open for both services. Nursery and Kids Church is open open for both services. We have a full worship experience for you for both services. So if you would like to come back and join us in person, we are live open in person 930 and 1115. And if you have social distancing concerns, we have more space and room in our 1115 service. So if you want to invite some people or show up, that would be the service to show up to. So thank you so much for doing that. Sometimes life gets very, very difficult and we lose some of the best parts of who we are. And we know deep down because of how difficult life is that we could use that reunion with the best parts of who we dropped a long time ago. And so today we continue with our current series entitled reunion. And let me just explain that to you in this way. During certain seasons of our life, sometimes it can feel like we've lost parts of ourselves, crucial parts of ourselves, parts of how we love, parts of our identity, how we have compassion, how we show empathy, how we forgive, parts of our faith, parts of the core of who we are. And so in this series, I've been wanting us to look at this question and we revisit this question every week and this is what it is. What could you rediscover in your life today that could give you hope for tomorrow? Think about that. As you look back at some of the things in your life that you've lost about yourself that you never really wanted to lose, what could you have a reunion with today about your old self that could actually help you grow in your heart, in your faith, and go forward in your life. And so when we ask that question, this is what we mean. And notice this today. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. What are some of the parts of you that you feel like you've lost and they were the best parts of you? And you would love to recapture those parts of you again as you go forward in this life. That's what this series is about. It's about those certain seasons in our life when we need to look back, but not to dwell and focus all over again on the pain or the past or the mistakes or the regret or the shame or the failure or the scars or the wounds, but to look back and recognize at some of the best parts of us that we lost in our life through battles and struggles and adversities. And we would love to recapture the best parts of who we are. That's what this series is about. And so I think this should be very therapeutic and helpful for all of us. Now, I have two brothers. My older brother, Darren, is five years older than me. And my younger brother, Ryan, is six years younger than me. And so that makes me the middle child. I'm the middle child. So being the middle child and being spread out that far, I got really good at recognizing unintentional favoritism. So I wasn't the firstborn like my older brother Darren, and I wasn't the baby of the family like my younger brother Ryan. I was the middle kid stuck in the middle. But I also knew this, and I knew this back then too as a kid, that my parents didn't really have to worry too much about me because 
I was very, very independent. From as far back as I could remember, even as a child, I was very intentional. I was very planned out, I guess you could say. I was the type of kid that always had that faraway look in my eyes. And the reason why I always had that faraway look in my eyes is because I was always thinking ahead to the life that I eventually wanted and moments that I eventually wanted in my life and experiences that I eventually wanted in my life. And so I was always trying to figure out, even as a kid, how to set myself up intentionally and how to set my life up intentionally to have these moments and to live the life that I wanted to live and have the experiences that I wanted to experience. And so because of that, I really wasn't making some of the impulsive and bad choices that a lot of the other kids in my life were making. And even when I did make those mistakes, I guess you could say that I also made those in a very, very planned out intentional way also. I remember one time I told my younger brother, Ryan, I said, hey, stop doing that. You're going to make mom and dad worry. He goes, why? You do it. And I said, yeah, but I'm smart enough not to get caught. <laughs> I'm smart enough not to make my parents worry. You know how kids are. But I always made sure to show my loving parents that they never had to worry about me because I always wanted to make my own path. This placed me by myself a lot. It placed me in my head, in my thoughts, and in my feelings a lot. And so because of that, I began to recognize the power of my thoughts. But as I got older and I began to teach people and counsel with people and sit with people through pain, I began to notice a different kind of favoritism. And this is what it is, that many times you and I show favoritism priority over our physical health instead of our mental health. We show priority for our bodies over our minds. We end up placing more value on our physical health instead of our mind and our thinking and our emotions. We even call doctors who treat our physical problems real doctors. And we call counselors who also go to school for nine years and get doctorate degrees not real doctors because these doctors just treat our minds. There's this favoritism for our physical health over our spiritual health, our mental health, and our emotional health. I mean, think about it. By the time our children are four or five years old, they already know, even though they're barely even really talking all that well, they, they already know how to find a Band-Aid put that Band-Aid on a scratch, and how to brush their teeth. We teach them that from the very beginning. But what were you taught as kids? What were you and I taught as kids to take care of our mental health, our emotional health, and our faith, our spiritual health? We were taught nothing. We spend more time being taught as children how to take care of our teeth and less time being taught how to take care of our minds and our spirits and our souls and our emotions and our hearts. It's been ingrained in us to show favoritism over our physical health instead of our mental health, even though we experience psychological injuries and mental injuries and emotional injuries much more often in our lifetime over physical injuries, even as children, injuries like failure that deeply affect us, rejection, confusion, hurt, anxiety, loneliness. As humans, we can also get worse if we ignore these emotional and mental injuries, just like our physical health. And yet there are proven ways for you and I to treat our emotional battles and our spiritual battles, our emotional and mental struggles and our spiritual struggles that we could use all the time, but we usually don't use these things. And many times it doesn't even occur to us that we should. And we're even told, oh, you're crushed, you're depressed, you're torn up on the inside, you are lonely, you're in anguish, just shake it off. It's all in your head. 
But we wouldn't tell someone that who has a broken leg. We wouldn't say, just shake it off. It's all in your head or just walk it off. It's all in your leg. No, it's probably time that we show more of a priority than we have been to our mental health and our emotional health and our spiritual health. Check out what the text says today about these very issues. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. That also means a sound mind. Fear affects us mentally, the scripture says, and God wants us to have a sound mind. Anxiety, sadness, depression, loneliness, this all affects us mentally, the scripture says, and God wants you and I to have a stable and a sound mind. Psalms 42, verse 11, the psalmist says, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Sometimes these inner injuries in our mind, in our emotions that we face, we need to pay attention to because it makes us sick on the inside. It causes us to hurt on the inside. It causes us to feel discouraged and sad. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. The missionary says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. Anxiety, worry, fear, discouragement sadness, injuries in our mind and in our emotions. This happens to us all the time and we deal with these battles and we've dealt with these battles for so long and as far back as we can remember with not much help in our life. But have we ever been taught how to even take care of ourselves through this? Have we even been taught how to take care of our minds and our thinking and our mental patterns and our emotions and our emotional patterns when we go through injuries on the inside like this? Have we ever been taught how to heal through times like this or turn to God, turn to Jesus for hope during times like this? Most of the time, we have not been taught this. Now, this is something that I want you to understand today. So if you're still with me, Sam's still with you. One of the major injuries that we never really learn how to deal with on the inside and one of the major injuries that can affect the way we think, it can affect our perception of life, and it can affect everything else in our life is this, it's loneliness. And so remember this today and notice this. Loneliness creates a deep mental wound one that distorts our perceptions and scrambles our thinking. It makes us believe, loneliness makes us believe that the people around us care much less for us than they actually do. It makes us really afraid to reach out. After all, why would we reach out again when right now our heart is aching from what we've been through so bad that we can hardly even stand it? Something you have to understand, it, loneliness is defined by how you feel. There's not like a general definition for loneliness. It's always defined by how one person feels, and it's when you feel disconnected. It's when you feel disconnected to God and other people in your life. And there's a lot of research on loneliness, and all of it is horrifying. Horrifying. Chronic feelings of loneliness can increase your chances of an early death by 14%. Chronic feelings of loneliness is just as deadly for you physically as having a bad physical habit like alcoholism or smoking way too much tobacco. A fifth of whiskey comes with a warning label, but loneliness does not. 
And so we have to make paying attention to and taking care of our minds and our emotions and our spirit. We have to make this a habit and a pattern and a discipline in our life because God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of a sound mind and self-discipline. But something else we have to pay attention to is this. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. It's failure. And so remember this today about failure. Failure does the same thing to you and I mentally as loneliness does. Again, just like loneliness, it creates this deep mental wound that convinces you that the people around you care much less for you than they actually do. Again, failure makes you also afraid to reach out because again, why would you reach out again when your heart is hurting so bad that you can hardly stand it? Why set yourself up for this pain even more? How does your mind react to failure. Most of our minds just spin out of control. If it convinces you that you're not capable of handling this adversity, if it convinces you that you're not capable of overcoming this mountain and this giant, and you start to believe it, then you'll give up, and then you'll be even more convinced that you'll never be able to succeed. This is why so many of us, you and I, function below our potential, especially our potential in Christ and in God, because somewhere along the way, a single failure convinced you and I that we never will succeed, and we believed it. We have to learn how to keep our ear to God, because the serpent is a liar, and our mind is a liar. And let me tell you something, when our mind is made up, it's very very hard to convince us otherwise. It's very hard to change our mind once it's made up. You have to fight feelings of loneliness, failure, and helplessness, and feelings that you can't succeed. You have potential, especially in God, and you can reach it, and you must believe that. When this happens, you have to fight to gain control of your mind again in this situation. And one of the ways we do that is this. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. Notice this today. We have to stop emotional bleeding. Our minds and our feelings are not so trustworthy. Our minds and our feelings are more like a moody friend. At one moment, they can build you up, and at the next moment, they can completely destroy you and tear you down. For instance, something else we need to pay attention to that's very painful is rejection. You and I both know this. Rejection is painful, and it deeply affects our thinking. Could you imagine experiencing rejection, and one of your good friends says, well, I'm not surprised. Look at the way you look. You're kind of annoying. That would be a bad friend. But look at me right now. That's what your mind tells you about yourself every single time after you face rejection. You're your own bad friend. Sometimes our mind and our thinking and our emotions aren't the best and the most trustworthy things to listen to. And so this is something that we all do. We obsess over what we wish we were over what we wish we were not when we go through times like this. And when our mind and our esteem is wounded, we usually make it worse, but we don't do that physically. I mean, when was the last time you had a broken arm and you thought, man, I'm going to take an ax to it, and then one day it'll just get stronger? No, when you break a bone, then you take care of it. But many times when our mind is injured and our emotions are injured, we do those things that don't allow us to heal, but actually make it worse. And so remember this, we have to make taking care of our mind a priority. We have to make this a value. And so notice this today. If you're still with me, Sam, I'm still with you. When you face rejection, the first thing you should do is revive your self-esteem, not destroy it even more. But how? How do we do this? When we go through these injuries, this pain on the inside, how do we do this? Remember this today. If you're still with me, Sam's still with you. 
When you're in mental and emotional pain, treat yourself with the same compassion as if you were in the hospital with a broken back. We have to do this so we can catch our unhealthy thinking habits, so we can catch our unhealthy emotional patterns, so we can catch our unhealthy reactions in our mind and in our feelings, because if we don't, this will make us sicker over and over and over again on the inside. And instead of believing those lies that your mind tells you all the time, maybe start with believing what God tells you, because these injuries can make us feel like we've lost so many important things about our life. Some of you have been through so many injuries in your mind and in your emotions and in your spirit and in your faith that you've lost the way that you smile, you've lost the way that you love, you've lost the way that you laugh, the way that you make other people laugh, the way that you relate, the way that you believe, the way that you trust, the way that you cope, the way that you have strength, the way that you overcome. And we desire that reunion again with the core of who we are, the best parts of who we are, that part of us that used to believe, that part of us that used to overcome, that part of us that you used to stand up again, that part of us that knew in our soul, I'm knocked down now, but I will get back up again and I will overcome. And one of the ways that we have that reunion is we feel the voids in our life that loneliness and rejection and failure and anxiety and sadness has left in our life. And we fill those voids with God's grace and God's love. And we start by believing the words that God has said about who we are instead of when our mind lies to us and our emotions lie to us and our insides and our heart lies to us. And what does God say about your life? John chapter one, verse 12. But to all who believed him, he accepted them and he gave them the right to become the children of God. They're reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. To everyone who believes and accepts God, these people are God's children. You're God's child. That's who he calls you. You don't have to believe all the false thinking that attacks your mind when you go through times of loneliness and rejection and failure. Understand who you are first. Feel the voids with God's grace and God's love first. You're God's child and he loves you. First Peter chapter two, starting verse nine. Notice what it says, but you're not like that. You're a chosen people, royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. Now you have life, purpose, significance. You have voids that can be filled with God's grace and God's love, and that gives us our identity, and it helps us heal on the inside. And then lastly, John chapter 15, starting in verse 9, notice what Jesus says through the red letters. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You can have that life again, even though we have mental injuries and emotional injuries and spiritual injuries. With God's grace and love, we can have joy again. And in that relationship with Christ, our joy can overflow. He says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then this is who he says you are to him. Notice who you are. 
Notice your identity. You're my friends because you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you're my friends since I've told you everything the Father has told me. He's saying I'm intimate with you. I love you. I have a relationship with you. I'm concerned about every detail in your life. You spill your heart to me. I spill my spirit to you. You're not my slaves. You're my friends. That's who you are. You're my friends. You're my children, my disciples, but also you're my friends. Now you're my friends since I told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. But Jesus also says this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Some of you are hurting right now. You have to make taking care of your mind, your heart, and your spirit a priority so you can love others and have that reunion with God and that reunion with yourself. We love you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope this is very helpful. We cannot wait to see you back next week. We hope you have a great week.